Satsang is when the power of the universe kisses the earth. The power of the universe kisses the earth. It is a sacred meeting, divine, overflowing with joy in moments, tears in others. And always it is fresh and alive, directing your attention to the presence, the vast intelligence of the entire universe that is often referred to as God. So satsang is divine. It is not a discussion group to talk about spiritual ideas and concepts. Satsang is a fire of grace that opens your heart to your own direct experience of your eternal nature. The purpose of this teaching is to support your own direct experience of the unseen presence alive in your heart and also alive all around you. The vast, still, unseen presence of this vast intelligence of God. So when you understand that satsang is sacred, divine, it's divinely ordained, and that ordination is the anointing of your heart, it's a surrender of mind to the heart. That is the purpose of satsang your own direct experience of the divine within you, your own direct experience of the sublime happiness that you are in the core of your being. This is the purpose of satsang. It's support for the evolutionary process of moksha, liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering. This is eons of suffering. So there's the suffering you're aware of in your life right now, fear, anxiety, stress, rage, jealousy, envy, frustration. This is many different forms of suffering that arise in your mind because your mind is gen genetically wired to focus outward on the world. And the trick of your egoic mind is to think that the world and the events of your life are the cause of your upset, your rage, your sadness, your fear, your anxiety. It's their fault. It's outside of you. It's never your fault. This is the nature of ego, the blame game, blaming everyone except yourself. 
But the mountain path, the clear way of Ramana Maharshi, is essentially turning within yourself and taking responsibility. There is a certain maturity with Ramana. It's required. It's not about playing games or being special. Satsang annihilates the ego. It doesn't shine it up for you so you can become more special. It's the annihilating force of Shiva, the formless presence of God. And the intent of this presence is to annihilate everything, burn everything that is false about you. And the root cause of all suffering is ego, which is the reflective consciousness that's held in the word me, I am me. This is reflective consciousness, and what that means is this visceral, physical feeling of me, the ego, is reflecting your five senses. It reflects what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste. It's reflecting that back to your consciousness again and again. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about satsang, about the teaching of Ramana. And I really want to emphasize the sanctity and how sacred and divine satsang meetings are. It is run by the divine. A true satsang, if someone is properly prepared to guide the satsang, is God's meeting. It's not the teacher's meeting. The teacher doesn't own satsang. Nobody owns satsang. Satsang is a sacred meeting to open your heart to the divine. It is where God kisses the earth. Where God kisses the earth. There is profound love, compassion, fire, to confirm your realizations, to challenge you to go deeper, to support you through those rough spots when you really can't see your way out of the sadness that seems to have gripped you. It's support to see through those things, which are a barrier to your natural happiness. It's the fog of mind. So one of the core teachings of Ramana Maharshi is vichara. Vichara is self-inquiry, which lives in the question, who am I? And it's important to understand that the question, who am I, is ancient. It predates Ramana by many, many centuries, if not thousands of years. The revelation and the transformation, the alchemy of the divine that Ramana Maharshi underwent as a young boy transmits the energy of who am I and unlocks 
the secret code of this question. The secret code is unlocked by the realization and depth of Ramana Maharshi, the formless presence of God. Ramana became Arunachala Shiva through this alchemy of silence, this alchemy of burning, this alchemy of achara. And he was very clear that all the methods and practices, all of it supports the burning. But for true and final liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering, the great wandering of samsara, you must come to inquiry. He emphasized inquiry. And when you really look at the life and teaching of Ramana Maharshi, you recognize that the inquiry is in the meditation, is in the mantra. It is in the question, who am I, as an energy. So everything about Ramana's teaching is an inquiry meditation. It's just not passively sitting there and counting your breath or breathing. And breathing is a big part of meditation. Without the breath... Meditation is not even really possible without the breath, without the power of the mantra, right? To pull you in. But meditation in the context of Ramana Maharshi is an inquiry. Who is the meditator? Who is the seer? Right? So these are powerful, advanced yogic teachings. You can be a beginner with Ramana's teaching. And in many ways, being a beginner is a huge value because your mind is not polluted with tons of different spiritual teachings and lineages, which is one of the common things I see happening around the world is people are going from teacher to teacher to teacher, different lineages, collecting, collecting, collecting information. And that information initially might serve, but then ultimately it becomes a pollution of mind, which corrupts your direct experience. So collecting information at a certain point is good, and then you have to toss it and actually apply the teaching. So the application and integration of Ramana's teaching into your life is essential if what you want is moksha, and that is the purpose of his teaching. It's all about moksha, which is liberation from the karmic wheel of suffering. You have to really understand that that is what it's all about. It's not a new age, self-help kind of teaching. Ramana is the end of the road. Ramana illuminates the path, the clear way within you, the clear way in your own heart. But understanding that on the mental level, 
doesn't serve you. What serves you is the application of the teaching. So the mantra is an inquiry. It's a prayer to the divine. It's an act of bhakti and surrender. But it's also electromagnetic light that rewires your brain. It literally transforms the brain within you. It transforms your brain. It changes the synapses in your brain. And what it enables you to do with the repeated use of mantra is to focus the mind on the source until the mind and ego are evaporated in the sacred fire that Vichara represents. So when you understand that this question, who am I, is not a question with an answer. In the West, we see a question, we immediately look for the answer. And if you've had a few experiences of bliss and you've read a little bit about Raman and his life, then you can think that you know the answer is the self. The answer is this presence of God. But that's not the answer. It is not the answer because that is a mental construct of something that there is no mental construct available to. You cannot know the self. You can't know that. And a lot of people feel, well, yes, I can. That's the answer. It's the self. It's the source. But these comments are very, very shallow. Very shallow. And still infused with the ignorance and arrogance of egoic identity. With egoic identity is still there. So the purpose of this question is to pull you in. It's an energetic force of nature. This question is like you as an ego are a little piece of metal and the self is the magnet, right? So it's this energy of this question that if properly applied pulls you into the heart center. It's an energy field that pulls you in. And you can feel it if you, if you say that question inside of yourself, who am I? And you feel the I in your heart and you give your attention to this I, you confront the name of ego, which is I. I am me, right? The I is the gateway to the divine. So this question, when, when you place it in your heart and you repeat it again and again, and I, when I say again and again, you know, most people in the West think that you can just do this in a few seconds and you're, you're liberated, you're enlightened. It's simply, that's a false teaching. It's a completely corrupt and false teaching which has led to all kinds of problems and abuse of power. 
is nothing to do with the teaching of Ramana Maharshi or the ancient teaching of this practice of self-inquiry. So the I is the gateway. And you can know this intellectually, but you will not go through the gateway of the I. Because when you do that, it's the death of you and the story of you. And the mind and ego sense that and will immediately pull away and turn it into this mental gyration of just repeating the question with no real inquiry. So the purpose of the question, who am I, is to dive through the I, to see through it, but not as a mental seeing, as an energetic pole. So when you repeat this consistently for many hours, <laughs> just to be clear, don't think you're going to do this in five seconds. You can feel it within five seconds. You can feel the pole. But if you constantly repeat this question, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I, and you follow the energy in, there is a moment when this vortex of energy grabs a hold of the I and pulls it into itself. You can feel the pull very quickly. But with the repeated use, you will fall into a deep samadhi meditation. The mind stops. The body becomes totally inert. And you're in a deep samadhi meditation, which can last for many hours, where you just are unable to move. And this is the state of consciousness that Ramana was in for many years, from the age of 16 till he was in his... Um, mid to late 20s when he really started to speak again and started teaching again, right? Teaching with words. He was teaching with his presence from while he was in that process. People felt it. He was a radiant presence. Their minds would stop in his presence. This was an unusual person. There are a lot of really deep sadhus, renunciates, wandering around India. And Ramana Maharshi was the formless presence of God. There was a potent energy around him. And this is why his message has flown around the world. And we're still aware of this saint who left his body in 1950. We were never in the physical presence of Ramana Maharshi, but we are in the presence of Ramana Maharshi, which is transcendent of time and space. So the real application of this question, who am I, is an energy force that pulls you into the love fire because this presence is love. Divinity is love, but it's also intelligence. Extreme, vast, incomprehensible intelligence, which they are now discovering in quantum physics. 
right? The, there are mathematical equations that define the power, the unseen power of the quantum nature of life. And this is the intelligence that in ancient Greek philosophy is known as the logos or the word. And as Christ was born, he was born as that intelligence, as the word. And the word became flesh, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is the logos. This is the vast intelligence of the entire universe that you have access to through the question, who am I, which is a confrontation energetically of the me that you think you are. And when you allow yourself to be pulled into this vortex of energy, which is known as the Hrityam, it's a vortex of electromagnetic energy, and your conscious awareness is electromagnetic energy. And when you give your awareness to the eye and you fall through the eye and are pulled in, the natural tendency is to try to bounce away from that and go back into thinking. But if you surrender, let go into this pole, you are literally energetically pulled into the source. And a samadhi state is a very high state of consciousness, but it is a purifying force. So the purpose of achara is a purifying force of nature. It removes unconscious tendencies, vasanas. It burns the genetic impulses, the gunas, sattvic tendencies, tamasic tendencies, rajasic tendencies, the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit to fight, the pursuit of God. All three must be burned in the holy, sacred fire that Vrachara ignites. It ignites the fire of your heart, the love fire, and when you surrender to this love fire and burn, that's what's happening. The karma is being removed. Veils of consciousness are being removed. Reflective consciousness, the nature of ego and your senses is reflective consciousness. So ego cannot overcome ego. You cannot realize moksha through a mental process. It's not mental. It's transcendent of the mind. It annihilates the mind. It annihilates the idea of you. This is the purpose. And that sounds horrifying to the mind. Well, I don't want to be annihilated. I don't want my ego to die. But it's through this death that you realize eternal life. It is the gateway to immortality. And it's not enough to understand this intellectually. You actually have to viscerally burn. You actually feel the burning sensation. You actually feel the burning inside of your heart, like your heart 
is on fire with love. So the passion of bhakti and the wisdom of yana yoga are present in this question. Yana yoga is the divine wisdom. Bhakti yoga is divine love. And it's the perfect union of those two yogas in the fire of love. This love fire that purifies. That's the purpose. It aligns your conscious awareness with this vast love and intelligence of the entire universe. And over time, this deepens and matures. Over time, it deepens and matures. You cannot force this process. Sanatana Dharma is the eternal, natural way. Transcendent of time and space. Seeing through the paradox. But it takes time. It's an evolution of your consciousness. And what supports that evolution is your own direct experience to see through the root cause, the reflective consciousness of ego, to see through this reflective consciousness, to be pulled into the hrityam, this great sucking energy. This is how Ramana described it. And you can feel it yourself, and it's feeling it yourself that pulls you in. And you want to be pulled in if your goal is moksha, right? Which is the whole purpose of Ramana's teaching. It's not to have a newer, better you, or a newer, better job, or newer, better relationship, or to improve your relationship, or get rid of the emotions you don't like so that you can be blissed out and stare at a wall. No, that's not what this is about at all. It's a purification process so that you have the profound clarity of Tariya, Sat, Chit, Ananda. This is constant. It is not a state that comes and goes. What comes and goes or gives the feeling or sensation of coming and going is egoic identity. The ego identifying with mind and the experiences of mind. Satsang is not just about sharing experiences so that you can take notes and collect more information. Whatever is happening in satsang is a burning and a release. It's not about spiritual information. It is a burning. And everyone who shares in satsang is burning in the love power of vachara. Is burning and is releasing, emoting, being purified in the sanctity of satsang, the sacred holy fire. And that fire, you can catch on fire with the fire that you're witnessing. But if you're taking notes about that particular person's experience, all you're doing is noting 
their karmic burning. How does that serve you? Does it serve you? So in other words, it's satsang is not about experiences. Satsang is annihilating the experiencer. And this is what ultimately sets you free. And there is a power, an unseen power. And it's that power that sets you free. You can't set yourself free because you are the ego. Ego can never set ego free. Because ego is reflective consciousness. So everything burns. Even your most holy, sacred moment of revelation must burn in the sacred fire of vachara. And meditation is a form of vachara. Silent contemplation through the eye and the heart. And mantra essential. Mantra is essential for liberation. There is no way that you can be liberated with just casual applications of these teachings. These are deep, profound, powerful yogas, ancient yogas that have been studied, used, quantified, and practiced for centuries. So if what you want is moksha, you have to integrate this into your life. You have to realize that satsang is life. Satsang is life. Divine life within you. So that your life and all the events that are occurring in your life become your inquiry. You go to work, somebody does something, somebody says something, it really makes you mad. It's not how you would do it. You don't like your boss. You don't like his personality. You don't like what he has to say. You don't like his methodology. You don't agree with him. So you're raging. Now, you might be nice on the outside, but on the inside, there's this rage boiling. So this is a moment of inquiry. Who is raging? It's a moment of taking responsibility because it's actually not the boss that's making you mad. What's making you mad is you. You making yourself mad because you've engaged in the mind story about the boss. The story about the boss and this story is about proving that your point of view is the right one and his is the wrong one. So the war is in you, not him. And this is true of any event or circumstance you experience in life. Inquiry demands you take responsibility. 100% for anything you are feeling because you generate it in your mind by believing what you think. It's really that simple. 
if you change the inner conversation to, I love my boss, everything he says is divinely ordained and it's perfection itself. <laughs> if you think in those terms, then how do you feel towards your boss? You love your boss, right? But if you're against him in your thoughts, then you have the opposite reaction. You don't like him. You don't want to work with him. And there's constant friction, anxiety, and stress and anger that's mostly suppressed because expressing too much rage in a corporate environment is not acceptable. Right? So you suppress, which is not good for you health-wise, right, to suppress your rage. But it's also not healthy to act it out. So this is why inquiry is so important. So integrating inquiry into your life is the inquiry, not into the reasons or the excuses or the story, but to see through that, to see what the, what the deeper thing is that's going on. So if you're in a fight at work, it's the root is survival. The root of egoic activity and thinking and the fight to be right is all based in survival. The primal movements of mind to fight, to seduce, and run away. These are the primal movements of the human mind that leads to conflict on the global scale and on the micro scale, the macro and the micro scale. The micro scale is your life, right? The fights you have with your parents, your friends, your siblings, your partner, your wife, your husband, right? These fights that you have come from this reflective consciousness and the power of mind which emerges from this power of the universe, right? To weave stories that you believe. So Vrachara is the sacred fire that burns all this to a crisp. But the way to integrate this is to inquire in the moment that something triggers a reaction. Who is reacting to this? What is the thought? What is the story I'm creating about this? And then the chara gives you the, the power and the focus and the clarity to let it go, to recognize it's a grand illusion unfolding in your mind only. And it's this me that you think you are that gives your attention to these thoughts, that gives the thought power. So it's your consciousness that gives the thought power, and your agreement with the thought is what generates the emotion, whether it's rage or love or sadness or fear. It's generated by the inner dialogue. And your agreement with that dialogue. So if there's no me, there's no conflict. There's a seeing through of the mind because the mind ultimately does not exist. It's a bundle of thoughts that come and go from this vast void of space. So when you give your attention through vachara to the source in your heart, when you fall into your heart, and you live from heart, then you're the swan gliding through the lake. 
nothing clings to you, nothing sticks to you. You're present, you're clear. You're not creating stories, good or bad. You are still. And you allow yourself to burn with surrender, with the deep recognition that you as an individual cannot free yourself. This is not a self-help process. You can commit, you can surrender, and you can persevere. So you consciously choose moksha, and you consciously integrate the practices into your life, which is silence, essential. You must have silence. You have to let the mind have silence, a silent inner inquiry. Starting the day with meditation, deep, silent inquiry into your heart is essential for a healthy life, for a healthy, happy life. at least in the beginning of your day, and if you can incorporate it at the end and in the middle, and then your whole life becomes a meditation because your attention is not on the events that are constantly changing, but on the heart, the stillness of the heart, the presence of the heart. But you can't do this just intellectually. It has to be energetic. You have to be the heart. You have to burn in the heart until you are that presence, not as the totality. You as an electromagnetic light are never going to be God. Never. You are not God as long as there is ego. The ego that becomes God is the megalomaniac, right? So you have to transcend the ego directly as your own direct experience through the energetic power of vachara. And then meditation is vachara. The mantra is vachara. Pranava especially. The pranava practice is an ancient yoga documented in the, the shortest Upanishad, the Mandukya Upanishad. And I recommend that you read it it explains why Ramana focused on that particular Upanishad and practice of pranava. It's breath. And it's using the power of Om and the seed letters in that to focus on the heart center until you are pulled in. And when you surrender to that inner pull, there is this sacred burning and purification and clarity and calm. Peace arises naturally over time. So perseverance is essential because this is not an immediate instant process, which is part of what's being propagated, which is really Papaji's teaching, has nothing to do with Ramana Maharshi. And it's corrupt. It's corrupting a lot of people 
because it gives you the false impression that Ramana's teaching is instant enlightenment, and it is not. It is direct, it is fierce, it is powerful, but you must burn. There is no avoiding the burning of your karma, the burning of your vasanas, samskaras, and gunas. This must happen because most of your suffering is unconscious. Most of your suffering is unconscious. So if it's, if it's something you're not aware of, you can't consciously inquire into it. So you must burn to purify that, to remove that. So really when you engage with the mountain path, it's not like you're running up the mountain path to reach the top. The clear way of the mountain is within you. The vast presence, the unseen intelligence, and the ego is the gateway. So you don't want to get rid of your ego. You want to go through it into the love fire and burn. And as you burn and burn, and as you inquire and incorporate all of this into your life, this profound clarity comes. Presence, grounded, clear. And this is real deepening. It's not chasing after bliss states, blissed out states where you're euphoric for a period of time. That's a state. That's like happiness as a state. This teaching is not about states that come and go. It's not about anything that comes and goes. Your circumstances constantly change. Your thoughts are constantly changing. Your understanding is constantly evolving. But then there's something deeper. And it's the something deeper that pulls you into itself. And this pull is what you want to surrender to. And the more you surrender to that, let go of your mind, let go of everything, and don't buy into the story that this means that you're going to become a sadhu and retreat to a cave and you're going to have to give up your career and your money and you're just going to be in rags and living in a hovel. <laughs> it's not that at all. You can not change a single thing about your life. You don't have to change anything about how your life is unfolding and apply these teachings and just receive the grace of profound clarity. And the deeper you go, the more clear you become. And changes come of their own accord. If your career needs to change because it's something you actually don't even like, <laughs> you don't like doing it, you're just doing it for the money, then you quit that job and you find something that really speaks to your heart. But it's not about that. That's an, a natural enfoldment, right? So I, I recommend that you read the new uh, article, Menanoia, which is about this total surrender that, that Ramana's teaching represents. Vachara is total surrender to God. It's not a, a mental 
process. It's not a method to get anything or become a newer special you. It's not about that at all. It's a purification fire, a sweat lodge that burns and removes all of these layers of consciousness that hide your natural happiness, your true nature, the clarity. And it's that clarity, that stillness, that's always here. That you are. You are that stillness. You are that vast presence of peace and love. And when you fall all the way in, you are love. It doesn't matter what the body's doing or not doing. You become the love of the divine. And this is the true purpose of satsang. To burn until you realize on a profoundly deep, energetic level, I am I am, I am so hum, so hum, so hum. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti Om. Asatoma Sagamaya. Tomasoma Jyoti Gamaya Mrityamam Amritam Gamaya Om Shanti 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 The prayer of the Divine Mother Take me from the darkness of ignorance to the light of Sat Chit Ananda an ending peace clarity